Welcome to Reflect Ed, the podcast where I share my perspective on the challenges and successes that are taking place in our schools and focus on goal setting and plans for future improvement. Through rich conversation and meaningful dialogue, we will discuss practical ways to make schools better for students and educators. Welcome to Reflect Ed. I'm your host, AJ Bianco. If this is your first time joining, thank you so much for giving Reflect Ed a try. If you've been here before, thanks for coming back. This is episode 15, and in this episode, this is part two of a weekly conversation that Dave Frangiosi and I are having centered around what we're going to call collaborative leadership, Uh, but we're focusing on initiatives. So in our first episode, we talked about initiatives and buy-in. And in this episode, we really focused on how to make these initiatives something that can last. Um, This is a weekly thing Dave and I are doing. This is something that we are passionate about, that we are seeing kind of teachers struggling and schools struggling to get things in the right place and in the right mindset as we go forward. We know everybody is tired. We know that there is a lot we have to put on everybody's plates We know initiatives are here to stay, and we are trying our best to help with the ways we can push initiatives going forward. We are looking for the positives and the strong ways initiatives can last. I'm sure in a school that you're at, you've seen initiatives that start off really hot, and then all of a sudden they fizzle out. And we want to make sure that we put together something here where we help you the listener, so that if you are thinking about starting an initiative or if you're going through an initiative at your school, that you kind of get that comfort as to what can I do next. Dave and I have had a number of experience in a variety of different schools with different initiatives, some that have been successful, some that have been total failures. So we are kind of putting our, our ideas out there for you, the listener, that if you agree with us, we want to hear it. If you disagree with us, let us know. Right, So this show that we're doing is from our Thursday night series that we're doing every other Thursday night. This was recorded um, March 3rd, and our next one is going to come out March 10th. So we're going to be live March 10th. It's going to be at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want to join us, you want to hear our point of view, we're going to dig a little bit deeper in our next topic. Uh, But again, we're looking at initiatives and we're looking at how collaboratively teachers and leaders can work together to make sure initiatives are strong and will last. So check us out March 10th, Thursday night, 9 p.m., excuse me, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, We're pushing it back 30 minutes, but 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time and join us. We'll be on YouTube. You can check out my Twitter. You can check out Dave's Twitter. We'll have the links there for you. Uh, We hope that you're there. We would love to hear your point of view, what you do, and what we can do going forward to make this conversation more meaningful. So anyway, without further ado, here's episode 15 of Reflect Ed Live that we did that Thursday, dealing with initiatives and focusing on how we can make initiatives last and work. Enjoy. All right, we are live. Welcome back to another episode of Reflect Ed Live. I'm AJ Bianco here with my buddy Dave Frangiosa. And tonight we are going to talk about part two of our series that we're going through, talking about initiatives. So if you were here with us for the last episode, we talked about how initiatives are introduced to schools, why they are or are not successful. And today we're going to kind of go down those lines again and we're going to talk about initiatives and how we choose initiatives for our school, how they fit our clientele, how they fit our staff, how they fit our students. Uh, And we're really excited about this conversation. We got a lot of great stuff planned. If you're catching us live right now on YouTube or on Twitter, please make sure you say what's up in the chat. You have the whole thing there. You can have a conversation with us. If you want to jump in, let us know. We will DM you the link to this uh, chat and we can get you on if you don't feel like it. Just leave a message in the comments and we'll, we'll uh, put it on the screen. 
If you are checking this out on the replay for the podcast or on YouTube, always drop us a message. Our names are here on the screen at Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, at AJ Bianco for me. And I'll let Dave introduce himself and say his little piece in one second. So here we go. Dave, kicking it over to you. Get this thing started. Introduce yourself and tell everybody what they're in for tonight. All right. So uh, I'm Dave Frangiosa. You can find me on Twitter at David Frangiosa. So, um, you know, we, we've been talking about initiatives, what makes them successful. And um, tonight we want to really focus on where should we start? Like, how do we choose where we're going to focus our energy? Because we know as educators, we have very little extra time. So if we're doing something, we want to choose something that has the highest probability of success. So how do we go through all the things that, um, you know, we're, we're facing as educators and how do we make, um, you know, meaningful changes that are sustainable and, um, you know, that really are, are going to impact student learning because at the end of the day, that's really what our job is, is to increase student learning, increase engagement and really support them. So um, we put out a Twitter poll uh, and we also put the poll out on LinkedIn and um, we got some comments back. So we're going to start by going through those. So AJ, you want to talk about what you saw on uh, the polls? Yeah. So uh, we had some, some great information from the polls. I think we had a, we had a nice number of responses. We appreciate everybody who kind of shared their thoughts. Um, I'm going to talk about LinkedIn first. So I put it out on LinkedIn. We put it out on Twitter and, and the numbers on LinkedIn are a little more clear for us. So Dave and I talked, we asked some people what they would want for some of the initiatives in their school, what was most important to them. And what we came up with was SEL, uh, equity and inclusion. Uh, I threw in PBIS because that's something that I'm interested in at the moment. And of course, we have uh, grade reform because that's a, a big part right now of what we're doing in our schools. And I think these four really kind of show what schools are in need of right now. You know, uh, we were going back and forth or adding more. There's so many different things we can throw in there. We talked about restorative practices. At, at oh, we just lost you. You're pulling an Essie. AJ, can't hear you. You're muted. You're muted. So there, there goes my mic again. Okay. You got me? Yeah, I gotcha. Okay. Nope. You're muted again. Are, are, are we good now? Yeah, I, I gotcha. Okay. I don't know what's going on. I keep going in and out. I get this message that my browser is not connecting. And there it goes again. All right. All right. So DEI, SEL, tied. Then PBIS had the next amount, and the biggest one was uh, grade reform. So we had a number of the votes towards grade reform. So, so Dave, you, your your initiative is is a uh, hot topic in schools right now. Well, I, I look, I can't call it my initiative. It's something that yes, I am passionate about, um, and we'll talk about why in a little bit. But um, yeah, there were we also got some comments, and um, Michael Weingarth, uh, if you don't know him, he's at Learning Pillars. Um, you know, he was saying things that he'd like to see smaller class sizes, no grades, um, you know, move to uh, community or project-based learning, no subjects and mixed age groups. And, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. And it's some really good ideas. Um, now smaller class sizes, um, I, I understand like the need for that. And for, for me personally, I'd say my ideal class size is 15 to 18 students, right? I have 24, it's manageable. Um, you know, I also have collaborative teachers in, um, you know, a, a few of those classes. So, but what I found is 15 to 18 students. Um, I find that's where I get the most engagement. Um, you know, the, the students don't feel like it's me and them. And, um, you know, last year I had the unique experience where I had a section of one, um, and that was kind of weird. 
Um, you know, so it was basically tutoring and the, the kid learned a lot, but, um, you know, you don't get that collaborative piece. You don't get the, the social piece. It was really just me and him. And like, we have a great relationship now, but, um, you know, I, I felt bad that he didn't get that full experience as a student. And I think when you go too small in class size, um, you know, you're, you're missing out on some of that collaborative work. Um, and really I found that range to be my sweet spot. And I know there's, um, you know, there's classes where I I've seen people saying they have 35, 40 students in a class. I don't know how they do that. Right. So if that's what you're staring down, I, hundred percent agree. We need to reduce that because there's no way you can provide effective feedback to, um, you know, 40 students in, in, in a class. It's just impossible. Um, you know, no grades, um, you know, that that's a mission that we're on. I think, you know, that that's the utopian view, um, you know, learning for the sake of learning. Um, and, you know, I, I guess maybe let's just go through the comments and then talk about like, um, you know, how, how we can kind of move through these. Uh, so David not, um, he said four days with a fifth day virtual, mm. um, you know, Jessica Barberry, um, really embrace virtual learning. It's here to stay, um, you know, make it a real thing instead of a bandaid. Um, and then TJ, uh, Nanini, um, break free from the AP or IB arms race. Right. So we have students and I I'm in a, a district where, you know, students are loading up on you know, the heavily weighted courses to pad GPAs, um, you know, and, and to do things like that just so their resume looks better when they apply to college. So, um, you know, there's also, I have, my own issues with college board and with AP courses, which we can, or we don't have to discuss if you don't want to, but um, I don't think tonight's about that. I think this mm -hmm. is just about like, you know um, how do we choose initiatives? So uh, you came up with some criteria for, um, you know, how do we sift through these? Because there, there's some really good suggestions, but how do you go through these and pick where we're going to focus as a district? Yeah. So, and, and I'm glad my mic is working again now. So we're back and ready to roll. So for now, uh, for now until it cuts out again, because that's, that's what happens on these live shows. Um, so when we, when we look at this, Dave, I mean, you know, when we think about these initiatives, what do we want to get out of it? Right. I think that's, that's the biggest question, right? What do we want to get out of it? What, what are we doing this for? And what's, what's the general idea? And, you know, as an educator, you know, you do not want to be put into a position where you're having to do an initiative just because it's what's there. Uh, is it a money grab? And this is the things we have talked about in the past. Is it a money grab? Is it actually something that is going to benefit our students? And I think that's what it always comes down to. You know, what is it that we're getting out of this for our students? And of course, a lot of, you know, people in education, they want to take it for themselves and they want to say, you know, how is this going to be benefit my classroom? And sometimes it's not always going to do that, you know? Uh, let's take a look at like SEL for one second. Okay. SEL is huge right now. It's, it's, it's definitely an initiative that everybody's trying to, to use and definitely something people are trying to bring about in every class because we need our students to be mentally sound, but a lot of teachers don't want to bring that to their classroom because it interferes with what they're doing. Right. So that initiative, you know, from jump is not going to be as successful, right? It's not hitting every piece of the puzzle that we need to hit. It might fill in the middle, but you're leaving out the corners. So, so here, here's my thing uh, with SEL is I think the way that it's introduced and I think the, the initiatives that we're choosing are a little off base, right? So when you look at social emotional learning and um, there's been some incredible work done on that uh, recently, Mary Helen Imerdino Yang um, you know, like her work, emotions, learning in the brain, um, you know, students need to feel safe students like, and that that's social, emotional learning, right? Mm -hmm. So all of those things, it's not just how do we manage stress? Cause I think right. a lot of times these SEL programs are just, how do we manage stress? Let's do yoga for 10 minutes and then do our 10 page paper that's due tomorrow. 
right? So, you know, that's not SEL. That is not the intent of it. That's not what the research supports, right? It's when we talk about SEL, it's valuing the whole child, valuing their experience, understanding that emotions do impact learning, right? And understanding how to navigate that and understanding that the same kid is different on a different day or in a different period throughout the day, right? And, you know, just trying to tap into what does that student specifically need at that moment, right? So um, I I think that when done well, it's a very, very powerful tool, Mm -hmm. right? Um, When it's done, like you said, as a money grab or as an initiative or like, you know, something to just pat ourselves on the back and say, we're doing this. Um, I think that's where it falls flat. Right. So, so one of the things that you and I had talked about, like when we talk about our initiatives going forward, like, is it a trend or is it going to fit the need? Right. So that word trend really hits me because I, I really feel like a lot of the things that we're doing, and maybe I'm guilty of this right now, you know, because we're going to talk about this in a little bit with my idea of, of PBIS into the school. Um, is this a trend? Is this a buzzword? Is this something that you hear and like, oh, this is going to work perfectly because it fits, you know, what everybody else is doing in different schools and they're successful and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we want to make sure that initiatives as, as leaders, whether it's teacher leaders or school leaders, we want to make sure initiatives are the reality and not just something that's, that's a trend that's going to fit because it fits everywhere else. Right. If you're listening to this and you, you follow us on Twitter, you can kind of see that Twitter echo chamber, right? That, that, I'm going to call it what it is, that toxic positivity in a lot of these places that are showing off these pictures that make it look amazing, that everything works, everything you touch is magical, everything you do is great. Um, you know, I know some people who, who just always post the best things, right? That's not what we're doing in schools. I can't even find a second to take my camera out and be like, hey, look what's going on in this classroom because <laughs> I'm actually like trying to be involved in it, you know? So, you know, I don't need kids posing for pictures and and that's that that fake uh, trendiness, right? But when we look at our initiatives, so so Dave, let's let's talk about the ones that got the most votes, right? We going through Twitter, going through LinkedIn, the most votes were grade reform. So I'm I'm going to bring this to you as as I'm going to call you the expert for a second. I know you're going to deny that you're an expert, but as the guy who who really is passionate about this, let's say I'm bringing the initiative of grade reform to my school, right? What is the starting point? I say this is a need, okay? As a middle school, I want to see grades change so that my students are not sitting there saying, oh, I'm having a miserable experience in science because I just got a 70 and I can't get out of the 70 range. I can't do anything else. My homework is 100, but my tests are 70s. We need to change that. We need to have you know, different conversations around grading for some classes. Where do we start? Yeah. I mean, first step is mindset, right? And without changing your mindset about grades, what they mean, what their value is, um, nothing you do is really going to matter because if you were to change the way grades were reported without ever addressing that mindset of both, well, actually not of both, it's of everybody involved, Um, you know, administration, parents, students, teachers, right? Everybody has to change their mindset around grades. What what is their purpose? What is their value? Um, how are we using them? So, you know, when when we change our mindset, grades should be communication, right? That's where we start. Is this communicating learning the best way that it can? Is this reflective of um, you know their acquisition of skills and knowledge, or is this reflective of compliance? Now I'll tell you if it's the latter, there's been legal challenges to grades and, uh, across the the nation where, um, you know, grades have been overturned if they include anything other than what students know and can do. So, you know, we open ourselves up and this isn't going to happen so much at the middle school level because there, there's not the same high stakes. There's not that currency because, you know, those things aren't included in, um, you know, scholarship applications or college applications. So, um, 
you know, you'll see more of those challenges at the high school level, but they exist. And if we're of the mindset that, well, this student didn't do what I wanted them to do, so they need to be punished with a grade. Well, then we're using them for the wrong purpose. And it doesn't matter what you do. You can go to any model you want. If we're viewing them as punishment, then they're going to find a way to punish kids with whatever reporting system you have. So we need to change that mindset first and like really have a discussion about, you know, what do we want our students doing? How do we know this is what they're doing and how can we report it out so that, um, you know, families and, you know, guidance counselors and administration knows that this is what students are doing and here's where they need to go next. Mm -hmm. So that should be the first thing. And, if our grades aren't reflective of that, well, then, you know, we need to find a way to make them reflective of that. And I would do that in a traditional model first, because you'll get more buy-in from teachers if they don't have to change too much. So, okay, what things can we eliminate from our grade translation? What things can we stop giving points to that we've given points to in the past, right? And so use the same exact model that you're using, just no more points for bringing in boxes of tissues, mm-hmm. right? And so now what's what's reported is reflective of the, the skills and knowledge that they've acquired in your course, right? Um, so that's where I would start. All right. And so then, let me, let me yeah, start before we go on to the next one, right? So, so mindset, can an initiative be successful if educators are not in, in a mindset that is a positive mindset that this is going to work? So could a teacher all of a sudden see it, you know, see it through for a little bit and then have their minds changed? Do, do you think they give up on an initiative too soon? Or do you think it's possible to say, you know, maybe this actually is something that could work. I looked at this the wrong way from the beginning. So I, I think that's a loaded question because there's many, many aspects to that because I think skepticism is necessary, right? Mm. You, you have to look at things with a critical eye. You have to look at this like, okay, um, you know, it's not perfect. It's not going to be perfect, but how can we make it better? Right? So there, there's two pieces here, right? Are you a skeptic or are you an opponent? Right. If you're a skeptic, yeah, this could work. Right. So say, you know what? I'm going to give it an honest effort, but I really don't think this is going to move the needle. But hey, you want me to do it? I'll do it. And, you know, hopefully you prove me wrong. Or are you an opponent who says, this is dumb. I'm not doing it. You know, and I'm going to make sure that I tell everybody how like bad I think this is for schools. Right. So those are two different things. Right. And so you need to kind of assess who are the people in those camps when, when you're rolling this out and you converse with them very different ways, right? So if you're dealing with a skeptic, you got to make sure they're supported, right? So like say, Hey, what are you seeing that could be improved? Right. Um, and then how could I improve that? Um, you know, give them the, give them the support, give them the PD, right? What they're asking for say, Hey, you know what? That's a great idea. Didn't think of it. Here you go. Check that out. Now, if you're dealing with an opponent, you know, um, sometimes all they want to be is heard, Mm -hmm. right? Let them be heard. Now I wouldn't put too much stock if they've been bashing this from the beginning, what'll bring them around over time is when everybody else is seeing success. Right. And they have no choice but to hop on board. And, you know, I'm not saying you're forcing them to do it, but they say, look, you know, the students are obviously responding to this. Everybody else is finding tremendous success with this. You know, I I guess I'll, I'll do it. Right. And so it's kind of a resignation that like, you know, yeah, I, I was wrong and they'll never admit it, but like, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm doing this stupid thing too, but you know, they'll, they'll wind up coming around. All right. But there, there has to be that support, right? We can't just roll it out and be done. All right. Okay. So let's, let's talk about support real quick, right? Who needs to, I know this is a ridiculous question, but I'm going to answer it anyway. Who needs to give the support, right? Is it me, the, the, the school leader, who gives the support or is it the teachers around them and the teacher leaders who are doing this 
that offers up the support to show that we're on board and we're fans of this and this could work if you do X, Y, and Z. Whoever's having the most success, they're the people to give the support. Okay, because I'm not going to have the success, right? I'm, I'm, I'm only introducing the idea. Well, sure. But like, you know, maybe you're well versed in it. Maybe this, this is something that's in your wheelhouse and like, you know, you, you've been trained on it. You've, you know, um, you've spoken to the experts and you've read the research, but like, I think we're leaving out one key piece here. The students, Mm. Ah, the the students are the ones who are going to help you the most because those are the, those are the people we're trying to target, right? We're trying to make their experience better. So, you know, if we're not asking them, is this working? Right. And, you know, even if it is working great, how can we make it even better? Right. So if we're not having those discussions, if we're not asking those questions and tapping into that resource, we're missing out on the most important, um, you know, the most important resource that we have. Right. So when you say, who can we learn from? Everybody, the people who are having the most success, the people who are impacted by this the most, whatever it is. Right. So, you know, your students are going to say something and it's just going to be like, oh my, I never thought of it like that because we're not in their shoes. Right. And then you're going to find something that's going to address that need, a need that you didn't even have on your radar. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we're, excluding them from the process or not even excluding, but just um, neglecting their input, right? The message that they're sending. Well, you know, we're not going to have the most successful initiative we could possibly have. All right. Okay. All right. So after that, where do we go? Well, so, I mean, and in my opinion, we have to start with the things that we can control. Right. So when, when we look at these comments, right, there's some great ideas, mm-hmm. but you know, as a district, like, you know, yeah, maybe if you're the superintendent, but you still got to pass the board, maybe you can go to a four day work week, but you know, um, I'll tell you the way our schedule is, um, and this is just my personal experience, uh, that fifth day I'm assuming is so we can do feedback and like, I'm, I'm thinking that would be like an asynchronous day where grading feedback, um, you know, and, and all of those, um, you know, clerical things could be done. Um, the way my schedule works out, I do have a solid amount of time within the school day where I can get those things done. Mm -hmm. Now I've also shifted my practice to where, I have a lot of front loaded effort, so it's a little more streamlined. Um, and that kind of helps me get things done during the school day. But, um, you know, I, I understand the need for that, but, you know, as an assistant principal, you don't have the authority to go to a four day work week, you know? Um, and then, you know, I don't know if the board would ever approve that because, you know, how many, how many parents have a four day work week? Right. So not that, and I don't want to make it sound like we're babysitters because we're not right. Right. But, um, there is something to be said about, you know, what's going on, Nessie. Um, there, there is something to be said about knowing that, all right, I can go to work. My students are in an environment that is safe, Mm -hmm. that, you know, is nurturing, that's, you know, giving them value that is teaching them. Right. So it's not about like, keep them busy. It's about, I know that they're somewhere where, when I have to be somewhere else and I I know they're in a a safe environment. So, you know, that fifth day uh, as a virtual day, I'm not sure. Yeah. And you know what, that, that is true. Um, in, in some spaces we, so, uh, Chris Nessie just put, uh, said problem is that society uses us as, um, babysitters and in some regards that, yeah, that's true. And in, in some districts that is true, but, um, you know, I, I don't think, I know I don't view us that way. Mm -hmm. All right. And I'm not saying like, look, as 
a parent, as a teacher, right? I have kids too. I can't do my job as a teacher if they're not in school as well, right? Like that childcare issue is a big deal, right? So um, not that it's babysitting, but I don't know, like there is a societal benefit to them being somewhere where they're learning, right? So um, unless we universally go to a four-day work week, I don't ever see school doing that unless, you know, that fifth virtual day, students were somewhere in the building supervised by who knows. Um, How do you you work that one out? Yeah, like, you know, like, so the logistics of that are just too challenging. Mm -hmm. So for me, I wouldn't start there, right? No, no, no. no. Even though it's a a good idea, right? And I, I think that we should provide teachers with time to grade, provide feedback, develop new lessons, right? All the things that make school enriching. Like if you don't have the time to do those, you know, it doesn't get done. So um, I see the value in the time. I think we can find it other places. Right. It, it's, it's a great idea. But again, that comes at the end of, of the other initiatives that you're, that you're putting forth in the school, because then you can say, well, based on this initiative, we want to do this sure. on the fifth day or every Wednesday. We want to make sure that, you know, we give our students a day to catch up and do this kind of work. That is, that is meaningful, uh, whatever it looks like again, but that's look, everything is showing us in, in different States and different countries around the world. They're looking at the, the four day work week, but they're not looking at it as a, as a school thing. They're looking at it as a business thing because people are now working from home. Teachers are not working from home. We're working in our buildings. We're working one-on-one with students and we're making sure that, that they're in our care so that they're learning. I think with Chris's comment that society uses us as babysitters, I think if you're creating schools that there are not so much initiative heavy, but if if you're creating a school where things are in place, that kids are learning in a different way, instead of just sitting down Mm -hmm. being spoken to, then we're not going to be seen as babysitters. We're going to be seen as like innovation centers. We're going to be seen as a place where our kids are becoming more creative, not where they're just learning things from, you know, textbooks many, many years ago. Like, we're, we're needing to create our schools where we're putting kids first so that their future is, is being developed there. Like you know, we talk about this, um, you know, a, a different time, you know, if I knew what I knew now when I was in high school, like I would have found science more interesting. I would have found some aspects of math more interesting. Like you can't just throw kids like, here's the curriculum. You're going to learn all this. And in 20 years, maybe you'll use it. Right. I think we need to start finding ways to bring this stuff into our, our, our schools that really interest kids. Like we need to find different ways to bring in music, bring in sports, bring in dance, theater. These are the things that our kids want to do. Like our kids are, are standing, uh, sitting back with their phones, watching people dance on TikTok. So how do mm-hmm. we bring that to our schools? Right. Well, and look, that goes to the point that Michael made right? Having more community or project-based learning, right? Um, doing away with, with subjects, um, you know, and right. That, that's something we can do. And that comes with that time piece because once again, right. To develop those high quality projects, right. To, to do the research involved in getting all that together, we need to have the time. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that can happen. But, you know, I don't know how many teachers like I hear teachers like they get maybe 40 minutes a day for a prep. You know, if you're if you're talking about um, elementary school teachers, right, their only time is during specials or during lunch, you know, so like there's a, a whole different animal there. So how do we give them the time where they can develop these things? Right. And not that free labor, right? Because education runs on free labor. So like, how do we give them time where they're compensated to develop these high quality lessons? And once again, that goes to funding, right? Smaller class sizes, um, you know, the, the time to do these things, right? The, the schools that are better funded that can hire more teachers, they have smaller class sizes. Mm-hmm. Their schedules are usually more flexible because teachers don't have to teach six classes, you know? So um, there, there is more time throughout the day. 
So, you know, I think funding is a big issue here and that's something that we don't have control over. Right. Right. Appreciate the comments coming in. We got Tim KV and, and Chris Nessie just kind of blowing up the chat. Um, there, there's so much here that, that we could share uh, in comment. Uh, Tim, Tim KV in commenting to my TikTok uh, and what we find interesting back in the day, Tim says um, financial literacy would have been a lot more interesting. Not something I ever thought about as, as a, you know, middle school, high school kid. Right. But the way that we're doing it in schools now, it's definitely something more enjoyable. Uh, Chris Nessie is saying that we are built on instant gratification and that's definitely the way our society is going. Uh, I love this one from Tim. We should always be asking what, how we connect with our kids' passions. And, and that's something we forget. Right. Uh, and, you know, maybe because we're, we're, I don't know, we see things a little bit different. You know, we're the connected educators, as they say, and we're seeing different things in our kids and even with our own children. You know, I, I think we know where our kids' passions lie. And I think we're kind of torn and stuck just having to teach the curriculum, right? We, we, we get so nervous that like, how do I fit in, you know, fun projects? How do I fit in passion projects? How do I fit in genius hour? You know, how do I get my kids to, to show that what they love? We've got to find ways to bring this into the curriculum. Like there has to be ways. Like I, I, I hate saying like, well, we all have tests coming up and we have to make sure we're prepared for our tests, but then what? All right. So you both brought up standardized testing. N- yep. Nessie, Nessie just put it in the, in the chat and oh, I hate standardized testing. I, right. I think it, like, so there is so much wrong with it. Um, like that's an episode in and of itself, but it doesn't measure what they think it measures. Right. Yeah. It, right. It, it doesn't help move learning forward. Mm-hmm. And the people who need that information right? The, the people that like the, the testing centers would say need that information, never see it. No. Right. I have never once seen test scores for students that I currently had. Mm-hmm. Right. You right. know, so, um, from the shadows and you can agree with this, Dave, you know, my, my, my lovely wife is saying that another thing that's stopping us from allowing our students to show off their passions is teacher evaluations that came from the, that came from the shadows. Yeah. So, you know, once again, every teacher evaluation system is different. The one that, the one that I'm in, um, it's, it's really just conversations, you know? So like, we're not scored on a rubric where like, you know, they do many observation. They come in and say, Hey, here's what I saw. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what were you doing before this? What do you plan on doing after this? Okay, great. You know, um, it's a totally different mindset. So, you know, and like Jamie's right. When you have a teacher evaluation system that is, um, you're basically grading your teachers, Mm -hmm. right? So the same way students shut down with grades, teachers shut down with grades. Especially when you do it with the way you do some observations, like you're you're saying you can pop in, have a quick observation. How many times do you have? Um, Six. Okay. So I know there's some observations out there that have like 10 eight to 10 throughout the year, you know, for, for tenured teachers in in what we use one. Yeah. One, one long, one short. And the long is probably a, uh, a planned lesson. So what does that show? Yeah. That's like giving the kid the the entire study guide and saying, these are the questions you're going to have on the test. Make sure you study this and then rock the test the next time. Right. So like evaluation, teacher evaluation, I feel like there's some other ones that are out there that are very good but I don't think we're all using the right ones. Yeah. You know, um, I like, I really don't mind, um, you know, I I don't mind the evaluation system that we're using. Right. So it's all about feedback. It's the same way that I approach my students. Right. Here's where I see the areas of strength. Here's uh, a couple of things that, you know, you could be doing to, to make that a little better. Um, You know, so yeah, we have, uh, in the chat, um, blown up again. So we're talking about, yeah. So, um, you know, talking about, um, Nessie says they got standardized testing, uh, Mm -hmm. from now every day through June 3rd. 
Um, yep. and that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, now Tim found out a student had, uh, over a thousand, um, subs on, on YouTube. So like, I mean, that's awesome. The, the fact that a middle school kid is like putting something out there and, and gaining a following, you know, that, that's something to make a big deal out of. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you can tie that into what they're doing. And so when we go back to that social, emotional learning that we're talking about, this is it. Yep. Right. What are their interests? What are their, like, you know, where do they find value and how can you tap into that? How can you see them as a whole person and use that to educate them? Like that's social, emotional learning, right? How are they feeling, uh, you know, about themselves? How are they feeling about the class? Do, do they feel safe with you? Do they trust you? Do they, do they feel like you care about them or maybe not even that you care about them that like you don't dislike them, you know? So how often have you heard when a student's doing bad in a class well, that teacher just doesn't like me. Yep. And even if it's not true, if they feel that way, it's going to affect their performance. Absolutely. And, and our kids are going to know it. Our kids are going to know it's fake. So, you know, you can celebrate them, you know, but if you have no idea what you're celebrating, that's sure. phony. Your kid's going to pick it up and they're still not going to like you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff here. So getting back to how do we select initiatives, right? And a lot of times we compartmentalize this and we're talking about things in silos. We're talking about, we talk about, oh, this is an SEL initiative. This is an equity initiative, mm -hmm. right? This is grade reform, but they're all interconnected, right? So I, I know we can't do it all at once, right? But we have to, we have to start with where we think we'll find the, the highest probability of success. All right. Sure, sure. But we have to have a plan going forward saying, okay, here are all the things that we need to tackle. We need to tackle grade reform. We need to tackle social justice. We need to tackle social emotional learning, right? There needs to be equity. And all of those things happen together. Yep. And if we compartmentalize them, they fall apart because what you, you're contradicting yourself, right? Um, and it's like the example that I brought up before social emotional learning, but we're going to give you three chapter tests and a 10 page paper all due on Monday, yeah. you know? Um, so do your yoga, manage your stress, get it done. Right. You know, like those two things don't agree and students see through that. Right. So unless we're, we're making sure that everything we do as educators supports everything else we do as educators, um, you know, none of these will be successful. Right. right. And I, th I think, you know, we know more now, right. And there, there is research on emotions and learning before we tried to separate emotions from learning. Right. So now we're seeing that, you know, we can't do that. And look, something that, um, I've actually used and, and built some of my stuff on when you talk about cognitive load theory and there are aspects of it that are wonderful, right? And that I, I think when used appropriately can really move the needle, but it's completely dissociating cognition from the human experience, right? And you can't do that. There are so many factors that, um, that, that affect cognition that like, you can't isolate it there. There's no such thing as a control in a, a classroom, right? Like there's no controlled environment in a classroom. There's variables. There are so many variables that are changing on a constant basis that any of that stuff, it's, you have to take it for what it's worth. And when you apply it, you see, okay, here's how I have to modify that for, for it to fit what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, so yeah. And uh, I'm going to get off my soapbox cause I can no, go all day. That's, that's okay. And I think, I think what kind of connected that is, you know, when you're, when you're doing these things, you know, I, I really don't like initiatives that are like, here it is, here's what we're going to do. Um, September to June, we're, we're going to push this. I don't think that that works. Right. I think you have to be clear in your message of, of the initiative and it can't be a one year thing. Like you can put bits and pieces in and go heavy at different times, but it, it's got to be longer than a year. You can't say, okay, SEL, our kids are struggling. We need to find ways to boost them up 
and we're going to start in September. And then when June is here, we're, we're, we're going to, you know, end it. And then next year we'll try it all over again. That That's not, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. That's, that's not going to help get to the point we need to be at. I feel like, you know, you really have to, you really have to move slow. Right. And what's, and what's the, um, what was, what's the saying now? Uh, go slow to go fast. Is that yep. what it is? So that's, that's, that's where I really think that's where you find your success by going slow. You, you find exactly what you need to go forward successfully. Yeah. You know, and that, that requires a, a plan, right? Yeah. It requires a roadmap. Yep. There it is. Um, you know, exactly. I'm on the same page with you, Chris. Yep. Right. So we need to be deliberate. Right. And I'm, I'm not saying, so I'm not saying we can't do parallel plans. Right. So like you should have elements of social emotional learning, right? Not the gimmicky elements, but like, you know, there should be a, a focus. Right. Um, and you know, there should be a focus on changing a mindset around grading. There should be a, a focus on, um, you know, social justice and equity, right? So all of those conversations should be happening, right? And you're not just going to like dive in and say, okay, we're going to have these conversations and you're going to have a totally new grade book in September. So I agree with that a hundred percent. So, you know, here are all the conversations we're having. Here's our game plan. Uh, thanks for coming, Tim. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely catch up. Yeah. Get them on your window. Um, yeah. So, you know, you, you have those conversations and you say, okay, here's how we're unlocking these, right? That roadmap of saying, these are the things that are important. Here are the mindsets that we're, we're going to shift right here. Like, and even lay out, here are the conversations that we're going to have, um, you know, and those can change over time too, but you know, it, it can't be all at once. Right. It has to be supported and, you know, change takes time. And I think, you know, to a point that you made earlier, I don't think it's necessarily the teachers giving up on the initiative. I think oftentimes, um, you know, and this is true of some districts more than others, administration is so transient where, you know, you have people, for lack of a better term, climbing the ladder. Mm -hmm. So they're in the position, they set this initiative and then they move on. Mm -hmm. Then the next person comes in trying to make their mark so they can climb the ladder and they say, you know what, I need to, to make my mark. I need to do my initiative. And so they abandon everything that was done before them. And we get in right. that cycle of, yep. well, it yep. doesn't matter because wait three years and this will be gone too. Right. Right. And, and I think that as you know, something we talked about in episode in, in the last episode is the fact that a lot of these initiatives come and go. They come very quickly. They leave just as fast and nobody wants to continue it, whether it was, you know, a dud or if there was a little bit of success. It, it worked for what we needed it for when we needed it, you know, so maybe the term initiative is not always, you know, a great term because it's so negative. Yeah. Right. So negative. And, you know, you really have to make it part of your school. So I, I don't know how you want to, how you want to define it, but maybe, maybe initiative isn't the right term because, you know, you want to say, this is part of our school culture. This fits our school climate. This fits what we do. You know, it has to be part of the conversation every day you speak to this or you act on this. That's how you continue it. And that's part of changing mindsets, you know, absolutely. hundred percent. So, you know, we're, we're running towards the end of our time here. So let's kind of, go back and when we're deciding on where we're going to focus our time, right? We need to focus on the things that we can control, mm -hmm. right? We need to focus on the things that we think have the highest probability of success. And then we have to support those through the implementation, mm -hmm. right? Now, how do we address those other things that are out of our control? So what are some mechanisms that we have to maybe address school funding to where, um, you know, we can, we can give teachers more time to develop those community or project-based lessons, right? Those, those high quality engaging lessons, um, where, you know, they're, they're going to, um, 
really expose students to like real world scenarios. So how, how can we move forward with that? That, that, that is the question that we need to, to answer. You know, I think that's the hardest part, right? Um, what is Chris saying here? It's out of your control. If it's out of our control, control, don't waste time on it. And like, I, I get that. Control the controllables, right? That's the quote. Control the controllables. But I mean, there's something to be said about community organizing and, you know, like I agree as, you know, teachers and administrators make the changes that you can change. I don't think, you know, we should ignore the other things as well. Right. Because um, if we control only the things that we can control um, now, we're fortunate in New Jersey, like where we don't have some of these um, anti-education laws. Mm-hmm. Right. They're not banning books. They're not, um, you know, threatening us with $10,000 fines if we say something offensive to a student, Mm -hmm. right? And when I say offensive, look, I'm not saying that, like, you should demean or degrade students. I'm saying, you know, if if you're teaching about slavery, right, and that's considered a divisive topic and somebody in your class is offended by that, right, you can be fined $10,000 with this proposed bill. I believe it's in Oklahoma. Right. And so, you know, yeah, that's not something we can control, but that's something I think in those places, people need to organize against that. So um, I I think a lot of times we do look at things through our lens and, um, you know, we are very fortunate where we are that we don't have to deal with these things. Um, But, you know, I think sometimes the things that are out of our control, we need to address. Um, yeah. And I don't completely disagree with your sentiment, Chris. Um, you know, I, I, I just think that, you know, some things are bigger than just stay in my lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah you, you have a great point there. You have a great point there. All right. So I, I guess we're, we're coming to the end here. So what are your final thoughts here? Uh, I, I think, you know, I think we hit on a lot of good things here. I think we have, you know, some ideas to go forward with. Um, obviously, we didn't hit on everything we wanted to hit on, you know, when we talk about choosing an initiative. But I, I think we, we we found some great ideas that you can roll with. That if you are in a role or if you are someone who thinks that you have an idea for your school, you know, you want to try something new, you, you have a good starting point, right? Find the people who are interested. Find how it's going to, you know, find, find your timeline, find who's going to be interested, how it's going to support them, who's going to work for and what you're going to do going forward. Um, then I, I think if you have that roadmap in place that you can actually show what it should look like over time, not one year, not one month, <laughs> it's got to be something that goes the distance. Um, you know, I, I think for us here, we're going to continue this conversation, uh, looking at initiatives and looking at how we work together to make sure that these initiatives or, you know, these accolades or these ideas for our school, climate and culture, you know, we're going to make sure that they grow. So what, what, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, it, look, it's a process, right? And I think if we're telling our students that, you know, we care about growth, we have to model that, right? And part of that is, you know, going through the messiness of learning and letting students see that, no, we're not perfect. The mm-hmm. school's not perfect and, and we're looking to improve and, you know, we're willing to engage in that process. So should you. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. All right. So I think we should uh, call this one a night here for uh, Reflect Ed Live. Uh, we are coming at you two weeks from from now if you're catching us on the YouTube if you're catching us on the podcast side, you can listen to it soon because it'll be there. Uh, see, today's February 24th. We are coming in two weeks. So what is that? March 3rd. 3rd March 3rd. Oh, boy. Okay. Wow. We'll be ready to go March 3rd with the next topic. No, no I'm sorry. March 10th. All right. Same thing. Yeah. When March 10th. There you go. I don't even know what's going on around us. So March 10th, yeah. we are live with you. Next topic will be announced. Check us out. Please uh, follow us on our socials. Again, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn at AJ Bianco. I appreciate the follow. If you want to be part of the conversation, all you got to do is reach out, let us know. We'll get you in here. 
If you just want to be part of the conversation on the chat, you can do that as well. Let us know. We'll give you the links uh, a little bit earlier so you can uh, be prepared. Dave, where can everybody find you? Uh, best place is Twitter at David Frangiosa. There you go. That's where Dave stays. So hit him up on Twitter. DM him. Tell him, uh, tell him his ideas are terrible. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks for joining us. We will catch you on the next Reflect Ed Live. Thank you for listening to Reflect Ed. If you have a question or like to connect, hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at AJ Bianco. If you're finding value in this podcast, please help spread the word to other educators. You can subscribe, leave a rating or review, or share on social media with your takeaway and thoughts. Make sure to tag me and at ReflectEdPod so we can keep the conversation going. Talk to you soon.